This morning, uh, this week, and then next week, we want to talk about prayer since we're in a time of prayer and fasting. And so I want to bring to you today just uh, one message on prayer. We'll talk about uh, one type of prayer today. Next week, we'll talk about some other things concerning prayer. But today, I want to talk just about this one thought about prayer that brings new life. Prayer that brings new life. I think that there's things, if we'd all be honest and, and just be, come on, real up here in church, there's some things in our lives as Christians, even though you wouldn't tell everybody maybe, but there's been some things in your life that are dead, some things that need the life of God, some things that need the peace of God, some things that need the joy of God, some things that need the resurrection of God. Um, uh, uh, let me just start off the bat, and I'll give you some thoughts on the screen here, uh, wherever you're sitting online as well. Um, the impact of your life will be greatly determined by your intimacy with God. I, I believe this with all my heart. The impact of your life will greatly be determined by your intimacy with God. And so if you're going to be a person of impact, you're going to be a person of influence, you're going to be a person that somebody looks to, you're going to be a person that has, has the ability to give a word in season to somebody who's weary, you're going to have to have an intimate relationship with God. We know this from the book of Acts that the scripture says that these disciples who were uneducated, unlearned men, it says that they realized they had been with Jesus. They were doing signs, wonders, miracles. They had a word to speak. They had something to say, something to give, something that transformed others around them because they had an intimate relationship with the physical Jesus, the body Jesus walking on the earth. But also after he was raised from the dead, they realized that these men still had an ongoing relationship with this one they couldn't even understand, that now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but they had an intimate relationship with him. Your life will, 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 will uh, multiply through and by your intimacy with God. This is called prayer. This is called you being alone with him. This is called you getting alone with him at your lunch, getting alone with him in the morning, being alone with him at night. This is called anytime you're in your car driving on the highway and you've got 30 minutes, you're just going to spend some time alone with God, connecting with him. You've got some worship music on. You've got, you've got me preaching at you. Come on, somebody. Huh? <laughs> you're, just, you're, just staying, you're just staying stirred up. You're praying. You're, you're, your whole day, he says, pray without ceasing. What's that mean? i got to pray. My mouth moving. No, 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 I'm in an attitude to prayer all the time, your intimacy with God. I, I, I'm never always with Kimberly, but I'm always with Kimberly. She's never in my presence continually 24 hours a day, but I'm always with her. That's why my heart for 38 years hasn't been attached to another. And I can tell you, I've had no sex with anybody besides my wife. Not because I'm better, just because God's helped me because I want to maintain that intimate relationship because it's bringing me strength and it's bringing me power and it's bringing me clarity. God wants you to have an intimate relationship with him and him only. I want to talk about prayer that brings new life. There's a scripture that will just read this one scripture. I'll maybe talk about it a little bit uh, in Luke chapter 18. You all got maybe that scripture. Mark it down if you got a Bible. 18, uh, ch chapter 18, verse 1. We'll look at a thought that James actually says about an Old Testament prophet. He, he says a couple of phrases about it, a couple of verses about him. Then we're going to actually look at the story and give you four key points about what this prophet did that brought new life that you and I can do to bring new life continually in our own life, in our own season, in our own circumstances. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus says this. He tells a parable to them to the effect that they, look at this, ought always to pray. You ought always to pray. 
and not to turn coward. I'm going to give you different words in different translations. You should always pray, ought always to pray. The first thing you do is you pray. The last thing you do is you pray. You pray about everything all the time. Before you call the doctor, pray. Before you send that text, pray. Before you answer that email, pray. Before you blow your mind, losing your mind in front of somebody, pray. Before you get road rage, pray. Men ought always to pray and not to turn coward, not to faint, not to lose heart, not to give up, not to become discouraged, not to become weary, and never lose hope. This is your master. This is your king. This is your Lord. This is your savior. He says when it comes to prayer, when it comes to changing things, when it comes to things that have been going on for a long time, what you need to do is you ought always to pray. Never faint, never quit, never give up, never pull back, never be discouraged. Keep praying. Somebody say amen. So let's say this, when you win, or let's say this, you win when you pray and keep on praying, and you lose when you stop. This is it right here. This is the game changer. You will win when you keep on praying, you pray, and you keep on praying. But the only way you get defeated is if or when, God forbid, that you and I would stop. In this parable in Luke chapter 18, Jesus talks about a woman, a widow woman, and she's, she's being, she needs to be avenged for, uh, in her situation. She's not getting help from nobody. She's got a problem and ain't nobody helping her. So she actually goes to an unjust judge, an unjust judge, and she goes day and day and say, avenge me on my problem. Help me, I got some difficulty up in here. And the judge would not even hear. But the Bible says, Jesus talking now, she comes day after day, Month after month, we don't know how long she came. And that finally, the unjust judge just says this. He says, man, this, this chick going to weary me out. She keeps coming, beating down my door. I tell you what, I don't care about her. I don't care about the situation, but I'm just going to try to get rid of her. And he says, I'm going to give her what she wants. And Jesus, you, Jesus uses this parable and says, how much more will God hear you who come to him day and night? Listen, God is not saying I'm an unjust judge and you've got to twist my arm. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is there's got to be an ever increasing persistence and tenacity when it comes to you and prayer. If you're ever going to see something new happen in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I heard this uh, several years ago um, and I wrote it down. So we as we set the agenda for today and next week is this hurry, hurry is the death of your prayer life. Hurry. Lord, I need it, and I need it now. I, I'm, I'm throwing up one of those help me Jesus kind of prayers and expecting every one time, the help me Jesus, help me prayer. And I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. That's an okay prayer, prayer sometime. Uh, but, but a prayer that just, that, that just is, is quick in and quick out. Uh, that, that's not what, what Jesus is saying and telling us here. I, I, I want it now, and if it doesn't happen now, I'm going to stop praying. Or I, I, I'm, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing something happens. I don't even know if I'm really wanting something to happen. I'm wishing it. But there's really no, there's no widow woman, Luke 18, in me. I, I, I'm, not coming, I, I'm not coming consistently and, and, and every day and all, all, all through during the day. And that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting is supposed to be about. Is that you're supposed to say, I, I got to have this. If you don't have a desperation in your life, I'm talking to the wrong person. 
Because I've got some desperation in my life of some things that I want to see in me, in my kids, in my grandkids, maybe, in, in this church, in this city. And let me just, let, let, let me just, let me just, let me just go deep a second. I, 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 I want a church to grow. I want a church to multiply. Not, not so that we say Spectrum Church has XYZ number of people. No, because there's too many people in Chula Vista going to hell. And so what's going to happen? What, what's going to change that? There's going to have to be some persistent prayer. Some prayer that just doesn't say, oh, Lord, send some people. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to get hurry with this. I'm going to dig down in this. I'm going to press in with you because I want to see something different than I'm seeing right now. Not, not mean I don't, I love seeing you. I love seeing everybody online. But when I go into my community and I see people desperate, people hurting and marriages broken and kids on drugs and, and crazy stuff going on and, and things that are happening with their kids and things happening in school, I go, dear God, I could be praying 24 hours a day because I'm not seeing heaven on earth, like Jesus said, is to happen. So what I know is that continual prayer, continual prayer is going to make just a continual difference. Continual prayer is going to make a continual difference. So the minute I unhook, the minute I pull back, the minute I say, well, I guess nothing's happening, then guess what? Yeah, that's exactly right, Gary. Nothing's happening. Not because God quit, but because you quit. So I'm encouraging you in this season, if you're going to have prayer that brings new life, you're going to have to make up your mind, I'm just not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. And Jesus concludes the story in Luke chapter 18 with this crazy phrase. He says, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? Now, now we as a church, we as people, we as God's people, we could really say, and truthfully so, we are faith people. We are faith people. We believe in the blood of Jesus. We believe in salvation. We believe in healing. We believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe in talking to our mountain, rightfully so. But when it comes to prayer, are you a faith person? Will you continually look at a dark room? Will you continue to look at dark situations? Will you continue to look at a dark husband or dark wife, dark kids or a dark situation and circumstance and be able to get up every day with hope and expectation and say, I'm coming to you again today, my great Lord and Savior, and I'm believing God as I pray and bow my knees that you're going to work in that situation again today. Can I get an amen, all you people? Yeah. So what I'm talking about is this, in this parable in Luke 18, you can read it, verse 1 through 8 when you go home, is that really Jesus is expecting us. He's telling us that Jesus expects us to really have this, this, this one kind of prayer, we could say, which is to persevere, to persevere in trusting prayer until he returns. When the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? A persevering, a trusting prayer until he comes back. And now I am convinced that not every single thing that you and I pray for, we're going to see. <laughs> I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that we might not see it. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't, before you leave heaven, before you leave this earth. But it doesn't mean that God's done working in that situation. Because just because you don't see it on the earth, doesn't mean it won't happen after you're gone. God will always work his word, I believe, for the man or the woman that prays according to the scripture. A kind of prayer we're talking about that I mentioned to you is found in James chapter 5, verse 16, part of that verse, speaking of a prophet named Elijah. And James draws from this Old Testament prophet from 1 Kings chapter 18, really chapter 17 and 18, and brings us a picture of what this, what, what, what this prayer that's going to bring new life is all about. 
And James says this in chapter 5, verse 16. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Notice these words. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When it comes to prayer, would you, would you include your prayer life in that? That my prayer is effective, my prayer is fervent, and I know I'm righteous. Would you say that? Would you acknowledge, or maybe you say, that's just not me. But if your prayer is going to work, if your prayer is going to bring new life, your prayer must encompass these. It must be effective, it must be fervent, and it must come from a person that's righteous before God, meaning you know that Christ has redeemed you from sin, that he's made you an heir of God, that you've got joint standing with the Father, not because of you, but because of Jesus, because of righteousness. He's hearing me not because I'm in church today. He's hearing me not because I read the Bible this morning. He's hearing me not because I prayed last night and prayed this morning. He's hearing me because of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the Amplified Bible about this. Check it out, the Amplified. It says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. There it is again, continued prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Do you believe that when you pray, there is tremendous power available? Do, do you believe that when you pray, there is dynamite, dynamic working in your prayer? Not some mumbly, jumbly little, Lord, help me. Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die when I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Not that kind of stupidity. Pardon me? That's what my mom taught me to pray when I was a little boy because she didn't know any better. No, I'm talking about a prayer that's passionate. I'm talking about a prayer that presses. I'm talking about a prayer that's continual. I'm talking about a prayer that doesn't quit, doesn't give up, not discouraged, doesn't go back. I'm talking about a prayer like the, like, like the widow woman that comes every day and says, I'm here again. I'm here again. I'm here again. I didn't see it yesterday, but I'm here again. I'm pressing. I'm believing. I'm not quitting. I'm not backing down. I'm not going back. I'm going to move forward. And hey, Come on, church. Amen, everybody. Come on. Amen, everybody. This is what we're talking about. Earnest, heartfelt, continued. Then he gives the picture. Then, 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 then James gives the picture. And he says this. He points us back to Kings. He points us back to Elijah, which we'll read the story. He says this in verse 17, Elijah, check it out. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was just like you. He got up in the morning, he was hungry. He went to bed and he was thirsty. He had issues in his life. He had kings that were trying to kill him. He had some people problems. He had some emotional issues in his life. Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and then the scripture says, he prayed and it rained again. He says, and he, the heaven gave rain, the earth then gave its produce, it produced its fruit. He prayed and it stopped he prayed and it started. God wants you to know how to pray that things stop and things start. Things begin and things end. And if you do not know how to pray like this, my job today is to teach you. 
Elijah, we know, was a man of miracles, but he was known as a man of prayer before he was a man of miracles. This is where his power came from because he had an experience with God in the realm of prayer. Uh, not in your notes, not anything on the screen. I was thinking about this morning. There's another man that this very same thing happened to in Colossians chapter 4. And this guy's name is Epaphras. And Epaphras was a guy that was a worker in the church, in the, in the church called Colossae. And Paul reminds the church of Colossae about this dude that's among them. He says, he, he, he's right there. He's in your church. Come on. He's teaching kids. He's singing songs. Whatever he's doing in church, he, he's right there with you. And, and, and he said this. He, Paul says this about Epaphras. He's always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. He says, I've got record. I, 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 I've got knowledge of him that he has a great zeal for you. And then he listed two other congregations, you and Laodicea and you over here at this other city. He says, Epaphras, this guy, he always labors fervently for you in prayers. Anybody like that in your life? Always laboring fervently. You can't shake him off your spirit. You can't shake him out of your mind. You can't get that kid off your heart. You can't get that situation off of your thoughts. God wants you to enter into a prayer that stops something or that starts something, that begins something or that ends something. And he's asking you and he's asking me to partner with him. Nothing in your life will begin or end without prayer. If it be thy will, O God, is not the prayer to pray in this instance. It's ardent. It's zealous. It's passionate. It's energizing. It's effective. It's fervent. That's the prayer that Jesus said this woman had going to that unjust judge. This is the prayer that James says that Elijah had. And so this is the prayer that we'll study that will bring you new life in this season and for the rest of your life. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Here's the story. Let's read it all, several verses. It hadn't rained for three years and a half, almost three and a half years, really three and a half years up until this point. Elijah had already had signs, wonders, and miracles. He already killed the 450 prophets of Baal. There was already a showdown with him and, you know, and those guys, and they were wiped out. And he goes up to Carmel, and it says this. Then Elijah said to Ahab, he's the king, go up and eat and drink. Go ahead, go ahead, Ahab, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. I, I, I'm hearing something. There's a sound. There's no rain, but there's a sound. I, I'm sensing something on the inside. I'm sensing God wants to do something. I'm sensing, listen, I, me, me personally, I'm sensing God wants to change our church. I'm, I'm sensing God wants to increase people. I'm sensing God wants to take the shackles off people. I'm sensing God wants to multiply people. I, I'm sensing God wants to multiply our youth. I, I'm sensing God wants to, wants to increase and wants to add and wants to, wants to grow our student ministries and our young adults. I'm sensing God wants the aged here. I'm sensing God wants to do something new. I'm hearing a sound. So what do I do with that? What do you do with that? He's going to tell us what you do with that. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Verse 43, and he said to his servant, Elijah says to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. So he went, the servant went up and looked and said, there is nothing. 
And seven times, Elijah says to that man, go again. Seven times, go again. Tell me what you see. And Elijah's praying. Seven times, nothing. But it came to pass on the seventh time, he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said, go up and say to the king Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and he went to Jezreel. I want to talk to you about really four kinds of prayer, four kinds of not really prayer, but, but, but what, what, what effective prayer, what this kind of prayer, this prayer that's going to give new birth, this prayer that's going to give new life, this prayer that's going to stop something, this prayer that's going to start something, this prayer that's going to begin something, a prayer that's going to end something, a prayer that you can pray continually for the rest of your life, and you will start seeing change happening in you and around you. Come on, are you ready, everybody? Are you ready? This is what it looks like. Number one, it looks like this, humility, humility. Prayer looks like humility. The situation is beyond my ability. I don't know what to do, Lord God. I don't know, I don't know where to go. I've got, no one else to, I've got nowhere else to turn. I'm turning to you. It says that he bowed down on the ground. He bowed down on the ground. God is asking you, God is asking me to lower yourself. It's not just a posture. I know he bowed down, and there is, there is relevance to that. I think it would be good for you on a regular basis to actually, if you're physically able, to bow your knees. To bow your knees on the out, outside, symbolizing that your heart is bowed before him. We have in the scripture people that would bow their knees, people that would actually lay face down, flat before God. Listen to me, there, there's a posture there that, Lord God, I am humbling myself. Prayer that's going to move God, that's going to start something, uh, going to start something new in your and my life, must begin with humility. That, that, that what we're saying is we turn to you. We, we turn to you, Lord God, in complete dependence on you. We're, we're turning in complete dependence on you, oh God. We're not looking at ourselves. We're not, we, we can't fix this situation. We, 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 we can't alter this. It, it's been going on for a long time with, with my teenager. It's been going on for a long time in my marriage. It's been going on for a long time. In, in, I, I, it just seems like I can't keep a job. It, it, Lord God, but I'm humbling myself. It's not my networking. It's not my, it's not my, I, I, I can't fix Fix this, Lord God, but I'm bowing my knees in complete dependence on you. I believe when we demote yourself, when we demote ourselves, and we say, Lord, I'm looking to you, that moves heaven towards you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll raise you up, James says. Peter says the same thing. Humble. No, notice this. Humble yourself. Check it out. Watch the visual. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will raise you up. You never get raised up unless God first, you come under his hand. Amen. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I'm lowering myself. I need you in this situation. I always need you, but I'm prayerfully needing you, especially right now in this situation so that you can lift me up. You can cause me to see what I'm not seeing, hear what I'm not hearing. Prayer that's effective, prayer that's fervent, prayer that's earnest, begins and ends with a person that's humble and knows humility. Amen. I believe that the way down on earth is the way up in the kingdom. The way down on the earth. It's counterintuitive. 
I'm bowing my knees, but, but I need to be up. I, I need to be up to, to just see, to do. No, no, no. I'll never be able to see. I'll never be able to do. I'll never be experience all the goodness of God unless I first humble myself before God. The second thing that we'll see in this that we've read already is that prayer, listen to me, the effective, earnest, heartfelt, continued kind of prayer that's going to change you, going to change and bring new life is going to require effort. Listen to me. It's going to require effort. It's going to require effort. And just stick with me. Don't lose me here. It's going to cost something. This kind of prayer cost Elijah something. It cost him to go to that mountain. It cost him to climb to that mountain. And we're not talking about uh, uh, working up to try to get to God. That's not the point. So just stick with me here. But, but I believe that there's nothing of eternal value that will be enjoyed without spiritual effort. Nothing of eternal value will be enjoyed in your life without spiritual effort. Not physical effort, not mental effort, not, 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 not just everything you can do naturally. If, if There's all kinds of things that we need to cooperate with God on. That's not what we're talking about. That, that's an add-on to this thought here, is that spiritually. If I'm, if, if I'm going to see a breakthrough, a breakthrough can't happen naturally unless it happens spiritually. The, the, the medicine didn't work. Uh, the, 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 listen. The counseling didn't work. I'm not saying don't take the medicine. I'm not saying don't take the counseling. I'm just encouraging you, add the spiritual effort of prayer humbly before God. What are you talking about, Pastor Gary? The Bible says he bowed down and he put his face between his knees. He put his face between his knees. All theologians believe and understand that this was a birthing position, a birthing position for women in the Eastern world. Birthing position. He wasn't casual about prayer. I've been in four delivery rooms with Kimberly, with our four children. There was nothing casual about that. There was nothing, listen, there, there was nothing exciting about that. That was, there was nothing giddy about that. There was nothing jokingly about that. In this thing, with this thing, in this birthing room, it was ardent, it was zealous, it was intense. Man. So God says, tells us, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man avails much, causes tremendous power to be made of. Let me tell you how it's going to work. Let me talk to you about Elijah. He humbled himself. Will you humble yourself? Will you exert spiritual effort? Will you bow? Would you bow? And would you pray? And would you press? And would you, would you not allow outside pressure to affect you from stopping? But would you allow what you're carrying on the inside to be able to pray through you so something that's going around in you, with you, to you, for you, or those you love, or something God places on your heart, Will it either be stopped, started, or it'll be stopped? Would you do that? And would you not quit? Would you pray? Different words, different, diff, different groups, different churches. Maybe you've been around or maybe you've never been around, but you'll start hearing some words like this. Fervent prayer. We have fervent prayer. Pressing prayer. Different words. Pressing prayer. Contending prayer. Contending prayer. Travailing prayer. Or, or intercessory prayer. Although all those things in, in what, I'm, what I'm speaking of today is all, is all synonymous with, with this kind of prayer. 
that, that, that something needs to change. I've got, I'm carrying something. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I've, got something I've got something inside me that's got to come through me. I, I, I can't keep, this can't keep going on. I've got, I, I've got, I've got a desire. I've got a need that, that I, won't, I can't live with for the rest of my life. It's got to be prayed out and prayed through. It's taking God's hand and taking the problem or taking the person and then I'm going to join him to God. It may, it, maybe it is for yourself that, that, that God's asking you. But this prayer wasn't just for Elijah. This prayer was for an entire city. This prayer was for a region that hadn't had rain for three and a half years. There, there's no produce. And so nobody's eating vegetables and fruit. It's all gone. It's gone. And, and the cattle are dying now. And, and it's affecting the economy. Listen to me. Your prayers will affect everything in your life. Don't you forget it. You can have all the money you want. You can have all the money, all the health you got right now. But let me tell you what, what's going to happen if something else happens? And you've never learned how to pray. You've got to learn how to pray. You've got to learn how to press. You've got to learn how to have effort in prayer. Again, I'm not talking about working something up. I'm not talking about working it up. I'm not talking about self-effort. What I'm speaking of here is just the opposite. It's an effort to walk in the Spirit. It's an effort to stay in the spirit that I'm going to keep my mind directed on God. It's, it, it's, an, it's going to take effort because when I get up from prayer, I see the person, I see the situation, I see the need, and nothing looks like it's happened. Nothing's changed. It's all the same. They look the same. They're still cursing. They're still negative. They're still griping. They're still complaining. They're still broke. They're still hurting. They're still diseased. It looks like nothing, but I've got to come back to God's word is true. And I'm carrying this thing, and I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to come again today because I believe that you want to birth something through me, not only for me, but for somebody else that I love. Amen, everybody. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 22. Uh, just when it comes to this, let me just encourage you along these lines, because this might be new to so many in the room. And again, forgive me if I talk over your head sometimes. I, tr I trust I don't do that. But, but I, I, I was raised in this. I was raised in a family even before I was serving God really fully. I was raised in a church that believed in press and prayer and, and praying in tongues and, 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 and calling down fire. Come on, somebody. And casting out and casting in and binding and loosening. Maybe you've not been around that at all. But let me tell you what. Everybody, anybody that's left and gone to like whatever, XYZ comfortable church, secret church or something like that, they'll always talk about the power of God that got, they got in a church like that. They'll always talk about it. And so listen to me. Don't you ever diminish the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't you pull back from the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about weird. I'm not talking, we've all seen weird. We've all maybe done weird. But I'm talking about seeing God move in power and demonstration because that's what he wants to do in this generation. Come on, somebody. I believe they're hungry for it. But it's going to take prayer. Come on, look at your neighbor and say prayer. Come on, it's going to take some prayer. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. Check this out. Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groans, notice these words, groans and labors with birth pains together until now. The creation, Paul writes to the church at Rome, is groaning right now. It's got something in it that's got to get out of it. It's groaning. It's in, notice the words, it's in labor with birth pains. Come on, moms, you know what that means. Together until now. It's going on now. Earthquakes, fires, come on, raging floods, tornadoes, the earth, the creation's groaning. Check out verse 23. Look what he says. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. 
not only creation, but we ourselves are groaning within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. Creation's groaning, and he says we ourselves as believers, there's a groan in us. Maybe if you're young, you're not groaning, but the older I get, there's a groan in me. My mom, 88, died last month, and, and, and I was looking at my mom, and there's a groan in my mom. I, I'm ready for heaven. I, I, I want to put off this body, and I want to be clothed with a heavenly body. I, I'm, I'm done with this sin-stained race. I, I'm excited about my eternal destiny. There, there's a groan in us. No more sin, no more hurt, no more fear, no more crazy government, no more inflation, no more. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. Come on, everybody. I'm groaning for that day. But then he says this in verse 26. Notice this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know how we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. With groanings which cannot be uttered. He says every believer has the Holy Spirit inside them, and the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and direct you with burden to pray. And this burden to pray is directed by the Spirit of God who puts something in you in the anticipation you'll pray something through you, who allows you to see, who allows you to know, who allows you to experience suffering like a woman going through childbirth, not for the purpose of pain, not for the purpose of hurt, but for the, for the purpose of bringing new life, bringing something that's not there, bringing a change. And the scripture says, every woman who goes through the pain of childbirth, Hebrews 12 says, at the end, there's great joy. And they almost forget the pain that they've gone through. You forget the hours that you agonize. You forget the time that you cried out consistently for this situation, this child, this marriage, this circumstance, and the joy of seeing the fruit of what you pray for. Pray until you see the fruit. We see three things that, one more time mentioned, creation's going to be delivered. Creation's going to be delivered. God's going to make a new heaven. God's going to make a new earth. That's what the scripture says. Creation's going to be delivered. Listen to me. As good as you love this earth, as beautiful as Moab is and Zion, as cool as Tahoe is and Mammoth and all the, cool, the, the beach and cool as all this stuff is, oh man, this is in a sin-stained world. Let me tell you what, creation's going to be delivered. We're going to see stuff when we go to heaven, when we have a new heaven and a new earth, when heaven leaves heaven above and heaven becomes a new heaven and a new earth. Come on, where no sin dwells, where there is no sun, that God is our sun. Come on, he's our light. Come on, everybody. Creation's going to be delivered. Yeah. And it says we are going to be delivered. We're going to be delivered. We're going to have a new body. We're going to have a new body. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death. We're going to experience a new body. And I believe lastly what we find out from Romans 8, 26 is that who we pray for, who we pray for, what we pray for, how we trust God, listen to me, that as we pray, we trust God that they're going to be delivered as well. Come on, somebody. Come on, anybody praying for your kids? Come on, anybody praying for your grandkids? Come on, church, anybody praying for anything? Anybody got a burden to pray? Prayer, prayer, number one, we see from Elijah. He was humble, humility. Prayer takes effort, spiritual effort. I got to show up to pray. I, I got to show up to pray. Would you show up to pray tomorrow night at 6.30? W would you show up to pray 
Friday night at 6.30 right here. Would you do it? Would you, would you do it? Would you show up in the morning to pray? Would you end your day in prayer? You got to show up. The third thing that we see from Elijah that James says, this is the model, was that he was persistent. He was persistent. He was just continual. It says, he says to the servant, uh, well, we know, he tells Elijah, you know, you know, get out of here, Elijah. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So he goes up and he bows down. He puts his head between his knees, birthing position, and he begins praying. And after a while, he looks to, to his servant, Gehazi, and he says, uh, go up to the mountain over there. Go, go over there. Uh, what do you see? And he says, I don't see anything. He comes back and says, I don't see anything. And he prays some more. Seven times. Seven times. Seven days. Seven weeks, seven months, seven years. How long can you keep praying? It's a story of a, a preacher. I can't remember who it was. Old-time preacher. I don't know if it was Spurgeon or somebody like that. But the story is that he kept the names of 100 people that did not know God in his pocket, and he prayed every day for those 100 names. And the story that I read that they say was true, was that 96 of those names, 96, were saved. He saw them. He saw them saved during his lifetime. And at his funeral, while they were giving the eulogy for him and speaking about what he's done, those other four were there at his funeral and gave their lives to Jesus then. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you will persist in prayer, even if you don't see it here, I believe you're going to see it there. Come on, somebody. I, listen, many times in prayer, I can just tell you, many times in prayer, it just seems like nothing's happening. Many times in prayer, it just seems like nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. Nothing's changing. The scenery's not changing. Listen to me. Birthing prayer is slow prayer. You cannot speed up labor. We know now you take a needle, you take a little shot, you put a little something, a little drip in there, and it's supposed to help. And I know medically, but now what are we talking about here is that birthing prayer is slow prayer. You, can't, you cannot speed up the process. You cannot make it happen quicker. You know, our, our, our testimony, really Kimberly's testimony, four children, Michael, when he was born, Kimberly was in labor for four hours. Four hours, that's it. Four hours. And then, you know, 18 months later, uh, uh, Brittany came. And, and, and Kimberly was in labor for two hours. And so we're going like, dear Jesus, we got a handle on this. Maybe we ought to have another one. And, and so then, then, we, then, then Jude came uh, five years later. Jude came in one hour. It was like, it was like, whoa, I was thinking, dear Lord, if she gets a labor pain, I better get a catcher's mitt. This baby's coming out quick. <laughs> one hour, one hour. One hour. And, and, then, and then we had a surprise three years after that named Chloe. And, and, and guess what? Chloe came in 20 hours. Four hours, two hours, one hour. I'm thinking, dear Lord, if Kimberly goes, eh, we better run. Mm -mm. 20 hours. Girl was hanging on the ribs. She wasn't letting out, right? Come on, somebody. How many know sometimes that's like prayer? It's like, it's like nothing's changing. Other times you're praying, things happen quick. But God's asking you to persist and not quit. Because every prayer and every person and every situation you pray for isn't the same. It's all different. Why does God do it? I don't know. Why do things happen quick? Why do things happen? You pray for somebody else and they happen now in your own family. They don't happen. Why? I don't know. But God's just asking you, would you be like Elijah 
And will you persist? Will you persist? I believe many people quit too soon before God answers their prayers. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 10 that he fasted and he prayed. Listen, fasted and prayed for 21 days. No change. Nothing changed. But after that, the Bible says an angel was sent to him. And the angel said this to him. From the first day you prayed, God heard you. Listen to me. From the first day you prayed, God heard you. And he said, I have come in response, listen to me, to your words. Not God's word, your words. In other words, you don't pray words, you don't see results. You have silent prayer, little grin on your face, you get nothing. Art's telling you today, we're telling you today, sing. Lift up your voice. Why? You are not going to get a breakthrough because the person next to you got a breakthrough and is worshiping. You lift up your voice. You're not going to see answered prayer unless you lift up your voice. Your God needs to hear your voice. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, the Amplified, I love what it says in the actual language of the Bible. Here's what it actually tells us to do. Ask and keep on asking, and it's going to be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Everyone, listen, everyone, everyone who keeps on asking receives, and everyone who keeps on seeking finds, and everyone who keeps on knocking, it's going to be open. What he's telling us to do is don't stop praying, expecting. You're carrying something. You're pregnant with something. You're anticipating something. There's an itch in you. There's a scratch in you. I, 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 I know this. I, I, know, I, I, I know I'm carrying something. And, 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 and there's, there's a change that's got to happen in me. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're wrestling with yourself. Listen, you need to pray. You need to get alone with God. You need to humble yourself so he can lift you up. You need to pray with effort and say, I'm tired of this in my life. This has been passed on from generation to generation. And I see it in my life. And I don't want it. I want to break that. I want to break that addiction. I'm going to break that anger. And I'm going to break that gossip. I want, to, I want to break that worry and that anxiety. I want change in my life. Yeah. The last thing that we see is that this prayer that we, we see from Elijah, it was just expectant. We've talked about it all morning. But it was expectant. It, it, it was hopeful. It wasn't bummed out. I don't think that Elijah was depressed and Elijah was downcast when he, when he sent the servant out those seven times. It, he, 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 he was expecting, he, he was expecting change. What do you mean he was expecting change? So much so when, when the man came back, the servant came back and said, hey, Elijah, uh, I don't know what you're looking for up here when you told me to go. Uh, there's no hurricane. There's no, there's no nothing going on. All I, all I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand. That's all I see. I see this small, small cloud out in the distance. But, but that was enough for Elijah. Why? Because he was expectant. He was expectant. Listen to me. People who don't pray, or let me say it this way, people who pray know things before people who don't pray. And people who pray know things before they see things. I know something. I, I, I know something. I, I got something in me. I've got something in me. 
So I'm going to unhook, I'm going to hook my faith. I'm going to unhook my faith to my feelings. And I'm going to hook my faith to God. I'm going to hook my faith as we've been singing all this morning. God's faithful. God's faithful. He's good. His promises are sure. I'm going to hook my faith to that. I'm going to hook my faith to that. Listen to me. Every mom in this room knows this. Every mom in this room knows this. When you and your husband got together and you got pregnant, you knew it before you took the test. I just know something. Most moms, I just know something. There has been no weight gain. There has been no pain. There has been no change. There has been no hunger yet. No weirdness over food yet. I just sense something. I'm expect. I've got something. I'm expecting this. I'm expecting this. I'm expecting this. So here's what Elijah's telling us. You got to press through. You've got to. You've got to get through the groaning part. You've got to get through the travail part. The, the, the keeping at it part, the I'm not letting go part. Because what we read from Romans chapter 8, verse 26, is that likewise the Spirit also tells us, helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray for as we ought. Listen, there are things that are so deep beyond what you and I even know. You don't know what's going on with that kid, even though they're your child. You don't know what the thoughts the devil put in their head. You don't know the wickedness trying to come against your husband and your spouse. You don't know the battles they're facing, even though they're real with you. They might not be able to articulate it. I don't know every need going on in every situation, but I do know a God who knows. And so the Bible says, likewise, the Holy Spirit's going to help me in my weakness, my weakness, my inability to produce results. I can't produce results there. I, 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 it's, it's not a pill. It's not a, it's not a counseling session here. It's, it's not, it, I, I, I can't, there's no result. I can do it naturally. What am I going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to exert effort, spiritual effort. I'm coming every day. Coming every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be persistent. Persistent. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to knock. I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to find. And I'm, I'm going to be expecting. I'm getting up from this place, not downcast, not like Jesus said, when you fast and when you pray and when you give, when you fast, wash your face, put on some new clothes. I'm fasting. What are you eating? You got nothing. He says, you got nothing. That's your reward. You're trying to appear to men to be fasting. No, no. Come on, change it. Change it. I'm not talking about fake it till you make it. Get, get, get some real people around you, and then they really know what's going on. But you need to tell everybody your drama. Because nobody, listen, to be honest with you, nobody really wants to hear it. You know why? Because everybody around you has got drama. Everybody's got something they're dealing with. So he says, your prayer's got to be expectant. Your prayer's got to be, there's got to be a groan. There's got to be an anticipation that what God's got, what God wants to do in me, is going to be prayed through me. And that the Holy Spirit, what he tells us in Romans 8, 26, is that the Holy Spirit is going to take hold together with you against whatever you're praying for. Listen. The Holy Spirit is going to take hold together with you. If you don't take hold, he's got nothing to help. You take hold in prayer. You take hold in passion. You take hold in fervency. You take hold in humbleness. You take hold in expectation. You take hold in effort. And the Holy Spirit's going to take hold together with you against whatever you're praying for. That something starts or something stops. Somebody say amen.
I think that was the longest sentence I've ever preached. That's what it felt like. A bonus thought today as we conclude is that, can I just say this? Because I've been around church for a long time and it seems like people think prayer's draining. Prayer, oh, it's like prayer's work. Hey, I mean, I don't want to come to prayer meeting. Can I tell you something? You got the wrong idea about prayer. Because the picture, the picture in the Bible about prayer that brings new life is directly the opposite. It's energizing. What do you mean? After the servant comes back and tells the prophet, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He sends Ahab out ahead of him and says, you better go, buddy, in your chariot. Don't let the rain stop you. And the Bible says, all of a sudden, there were clouds and there was wind and there was a storm that was coming in. Check it out. And the Bible says, Elijah girded up his long overflowing robe and he outran Ahab's chariot to the city called Jezreel. Check it out. Where he was on Carmel to where he was going Jezreel is 16 miles. You mean to tell me an old prophet can outrun a king on the best horse in the land in his chariot and outpace him and beat him to the city for 16 miles? Absolutely not, unless the hand of the Lord comes on him. Prayer should energize you. What does that mean? I'm energized when I leave my knees, when I come up from that place. I don't see it yet, but I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I might not even see a cloud, but I know you heard me. And I'm coming up from this place of prayer, come on, full of faith and power to do my business today. And Lord, I'm just telling you, if I don't see the answer today, if what I've got doesn't come through me today, if the birth doesn't come through me today, I'm coming back tomorrow. Come on, somebody, I'm coming back tomorrow. Come on, stand up all over the room, all over the room. What looks dead in your life right now? What looks dead? What needs to come through you? What's God put on your heart? For a person, for your marriage, for your kids, for, for, for the ministry God's called you to do, for a city. What's a burden to pray? What's in you that's got to come through you? What, what, what needs a miracle? Uh, your co-workers. The question is now, would you fervently pray? Will you humble yourself? Will you take that need and will you bow your knees and will you pray and say, God, I need you. God, I'm humbling myself. I don't know how to fix this situation, but I'm, I'm trusting you. Come on, what is that? What, what is that for right now? Come on, let, 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 let God strengthen you in your spirit today to believe God for new life, to believe God that something starts or something that's been going on too long that needs to stop, that we'll pray fervent, effective prayers that will avail much, that will cause tremendous power to be made available, that it will be dynamic in its work. We don't even know how it's going to work, but God's going to blow things up. God's going to change things. God's going to alter things. God's going to start things. God's going to suspend things. Things that have looked dormant. Things that have looked dead. Things that have looked lifeless. We prophesy new life in Jesus' name. We prophesy hope is going to come into your heart. 
expectation of change that changes everything around you, begins working in your spirit and your soul and your body, that there's a sound. Come on, church, there's a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. Newness, freshness, new life, people born again, people filled with the Spirit, eyes that open, ears, signs, wonders, miracles, moves of the Holy Spirit, visions and dreams, things of the Spirit. Father God, so we contend for that. Father God, let us, as your church, take our place in prayer. Bring new life in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands, would you do it? Let's just lift our hands. Father, we worship you. We worship you all over this room. I pray that you would give every person in this room on the sound of my voice, on watching online as well, whenever they watch this, a burden to pray, a prayer that never quits, a prayer that's tenacious, a prayer that's ardent, a prayer that's zealous, a prayer that's persistent, groans, Lord God, groaning in prayer that we must press in. We must get this out of us. We, 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 we pray until it grows and it's got to come out, Lord God. It's got to come out. It's got to come out. We got to pray it out. Pray it through, oh God. Give us a passion. Give us compassion, oh God, for those we come in line with. We come around in our family, in our workplace, oh God, that as we see a need, open up our eyes, open up our ears. Let us be sensitive, oh God, as Jesus, you slipped away to pray. Consistently, let that be our model. Let that be our model. We pray in Jesus' name. Come on, bow your heads, close your eyes all over the room. If you don't know Jesus, come on, you're away from him. You just need to be restored in fellowship with him today. Come on, all over the room, if that's you, just lift up your hand. Say, that's me, I need Jesus today. I need Jesus today. I'm away from him, I need him today. All over the room, I, I want to make a change. I want to make a switch in my life. I need God, I need Jesus. Anyone in the room today? Father, we just pray for everyone in the facility, everyone online, Lord God, our kids downstairs. We pray that they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. The truth is a person, Jesus. So, Father God, we just say thank you, Jesus, for entering into hearts today, opening hearts and opening lives and opening minds and bringing lasting change. We thank you for it. Come on, somebody say, in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, somebody say, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Did anybody get anything this morning? Come on, anybody get anything? Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Next week, we'll talk about prayer some more. It, it, it's a subject that we could talk for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And so my desire, our desire, is that we have a church that knows how to pray, knows where to pray, knows when to pray, knows how to pray, what to do about the situation. We never, listen to me, we never go. I don't know what to do. Men ought always to pray and faint not. Come on, somebody, put a prayer on it. Put a prayer on it. Put a prayer on it. Put a prayer on the homeless situation. Put a prayer on the border situation. Put a prayer on our government. Come on, we need it. Put a prayer up in here in California. Put a prayer on your family. Put a prayer on your body. Put a prayer on it. That every day, I'm going to ask and keep on asking. I'm going to seek 
and keep on. Let me say this in conclusion, talking way too long. Forgive me. The beauty of prayer isn't in the answer. It's in the person. One more time. The beauty of prayer isn't just so you get an answer. It's so that you keep coming and be reintroduced to the person, God Almighty. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Our prayer partners will be here. Listen to me. Can I say this just humbly and just um, appreciatively? Um, if, if you've got a need, listen, if you've got a need, would you allow our prayer team to pray for you? I believe right now in this season that this altar every Sunday needs to be filled with all of us that has a need and allow prayer to set the agenda for the rest of 2023 in your life. Amen. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Amen.